Good morning. I'm in Isaiah chapter 44, if you'd like to join me there. Isaiah 44, verse 1. Isaiah 44, verse 1. It says, But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen. Now remember last week, I think it's the last week or the week before, we're finding in Isaiah that, that the prophecy is calling out both Jacob and Israel, and that's the same person because Jacob became Israel. And so God's calling out to both the old nature and the new nature in this, in this passage like he did the other time. So he's saying, when I formed you as Jacob, when I remade you as Israel, I'm calling all of that into being. Right? Listen now, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen. Remember I told you there were four servants? We keep finding the servants here. There's Israel as a servant. There's Cyrus who's the servant. There's Jesus who's the servant. And there's you and I, we can find ourselves in here. As I said, God all, he speaks in layers. God always speaks in layers. And we find in this, in this prophecy here from Isaiah, he's speaking in layers. He says, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but all nations that have ever been, uh, ever come into being, were made by men. Some group of men got together. They gathered an army together, perhaps, and that army conquered some other army, and, and they became another nation. Israel is the only nation that, that was formed by God. He called Abraham out and said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. So Israel, out of all the nations around the world, some 200, some other nations that have come and gone, and we have them here now, they were all made by man. Israel was made by God. And that's really important. It's really important to realize. And what God makes, as we said in <clears throat> Romans 11, 29, God's calling and gifting is irrevocable. And so this calling and gifting he placed on Israel to be his nation is irrevocable. It didn't mean they didn't go into captivity. It didn't mean for several hundred years they were held captive. They went through trials and tribulations, and even today going through trials and tribulations. But they're still God's chosen people. We always have to remember that, right? He formed them. He made them. They were not made by man. Do not be afraid of Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Now, that's just the word. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that means my righteous one. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. My righteous one, whom I have chosen, do not be afraid. For I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. Now, where have we heard that scripture before? <clears throat> where have we heard that scripture before? It's prominent in two other places in the Bible. One Old Testament place and one New Testament place. Do you remember? Psalms. You know, it may be in the Psalms, but... I was, I was thinking it's the, the two places that I was thinking about are Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2. That's the two that I had in my mind. Joel 2, 22 through 28. So let's read that right quick. Like. Remember, Joel is prophesying a lot later than Isaiah was prophesying, several hundred years later, right? And so he prophesies this, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Look what it says. It says, and afterwards... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay? So that's Joel. And then Acts chapter 2. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. 
chapter 2, verse 17. Let's see what the word says here. Now, here we have Peter preaching a sermon on the day of Pentecost, and he's quoting from Joel, so to speak, who was quoting from Isaiah. You see how this is going? So you got Isaiah, you got Joel, and then all the way into Jesus' day and time, book of Acts. You've got the same scripture says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Okay? So we see Isaiah, once again, these layers. I keep talking about layers. We see the layers of God speaking to Isaiah, <clears throat> then speaking to Joel, and then uh, eventually through, uh, through Peter on the day of Pentecost. For I will pour water on thirsty ground, streams on the ground. I will pour out my spirit on offspring and my blessings on your descendants. Now, Jesus in John uh, chapter 7 talked about pouring out uh, the water. And he said it refers to the spirit. Springs of living water will well up within you. That's what he said. And it says in referring to the Holy Spirit. So even Jesus is quoting Joel and Isaiah when he's talking in the book of John where he says I will pour out water on thirsty ground I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants they will spring up like grass in a meadow like poplar trees by flowing streams now the stream we want to stay beside of course is the Holy Spirit that's what he's talking about here and as we plant ourselves by the Holy Spirit we will grow we will produce fruit in abundance as it says in John chapter 15 one will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. And still another will write on his hand, I am the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. He's saying people will identify as following Christ. I'll identify as following Christ. So uh, when you go to work tomorrow, or school tomorrow, well, tomorrow's a holiday, right? When you go to school the next day, take, not in your world, take a magic marker and write on your hand and write the Lord's. And when somebody walks up to you, you say, what does that mean, the Lord? She said, well, I belong to the Lord. So it says, some will write on their hand, I belong to the Lord. Now, this is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. We've got a couple of beautiful words here. In, in the NIV, it doesn't translate them like it does in, in the Hebrew. But the word Lord here is Yahweh or Adonai. Okay? Adonai or Yahweh. So it could be rendered this is what Yahweh says, that beautiful name that God gave us. Israel's king and redeemer. And it says the Lord Almighty. And this is the Lord's Sabaoth. The Lord's Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. So God is saying, I'm the Lord over all the hosts. And what's he referring to? He's talking about the host of angels. The ten thousands upon ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels. He says, I'm the host. I'm the Lord of all those hosts. So he's, he's calling them forth, and, and a person reading this in Hebrew would understand what that means. It means that, that God is overseeing all these angels, and that he's powerful. He says, I'm Yahweh, and I'm Lord Sabaoth, right? I'm the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Amen? Amen? Amen. And he's going to go on and talk about idols in a minute. We're not going to read that passage. But he's setting us up for that, right? <coughs> Apart from me, there's no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me. 
what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what is to come. Do not tremble or do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? And what he's saying is, is there anybody that is smart as I am? Is there anybody that can prophesy like I can? Is there anybody that knows everything like I do? I'm omnipotent. He said, no, there's nobody like that. He says, do not be afraid. Do not tremble. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Now, where do we find that passage, you are my witnesses? Where do we hear that again? In the New Testament. Where do we hear it? Acts, right? Chapter 1, verse 4 plus 4 equals 8. There you go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Isn't that what it says? Acts 1, 8. He also hints at that same flavor in, in Matthew chapter 28 where it says, go make disciples of all the nations, right? Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, you are my witnesses. God is calling them to be a witness. Is there any other rock <coughs> such as me? And God says, I don't know any other rock besides myself. <coughs> That's a pretty powerful statement, right? I don't know of any other rock beside myself. Now, chapter 9, uh, excuse me, verse 9 to 20 is God saying, think about idols. And he talks about how you can make an idol. You go chop a tree down. You spend all this time making this little idol. And then you expect something you made out of wood to give you proper direction. He says, does that make sense? The same wood out of this tree you're going to burn in the fire. The same wood you're going to, you know, make a fork with or something. And the same wood you're going to make an idol with. And then you, you think that idol is going to tell you what to do. And so that's his, that's his, he's calling out the people who are worshiping idols at that point. And so we're going to jump to verse 21. It says, remember these things, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. Once again, he's calling out that Jacob-Israel thing again. I have made you, you are my servant. There's that word servant again. O Israel, I will not forget you. I have swept away your, your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Now, it says in the Bible that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, from the west right? And as far as the north is from the south. We could, we could pick on north and south too, right? That's how far our sins are cast from him. Why? Because he redeemed all of sin. When he died on the cross, he shed his blood. He didn't measure it out and say, well, how many sins is Jim going to commit? And how many sins is David going to commit? And, and he didn't measure it out. He poured all of his blood out for all the sins, sickness, sorrow <coughs> in the world. Right? That's what he, when he died on the cross for us. And he says when we trust in him, when we invite Jesus to come be our Lord and Savior, he sweeps away our offenses like a cloud, our sins like the morning mist. They're gone. They're gone. Aren't you glad your sins are covered in the blood of Christ? Aren't you glad? When we stand before Jesus, we're not going to be judged by our sins. There's not a, there's not a sin of judgment in heaven for Christians. There's a sin of what did you do with what I gave you. I mean, there's, a, there's a judgment of what did you do with what I gave you. But there's not a judgment of our sins because they're all in Christ. Right? And so he says, since I've taken away all of your sins, he said, sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth, beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests and all your trees, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob 
He displays his glory in Israel. And we ought to sing and shout that our sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus. Amen. I mean, there's some things we can't sing about. There's some horrible things that go on in the world. and Not a whole lot of singing about that. But the fact that our sins have been taken away by Jesus, that will make us want to sing every one of these songs. Right? And if we had some chandeliers, maybe swing from them. Right? Get excited about Jesus. Right? Because of what he's done. And this is what God's calling him out. He says, sing for joy. Shout. Burst into song. Uh, for the Lord has redeemed you. That word redeem, redemption, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, it's probably one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. It means something's been bought back. And actually, as Christians, we've been bought back twice. That's a whole other sermon. But we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. You owed a debt. Somebody paid the debt. You've been redeemed. I am your redemption. Beautiful, beautiful word. For I have redeemed you. <clears throat> This is what the Lord says, verse 24. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. Now he's, now he's getting it even closer. He says, I'm the Redeemer who formed you. I was Yahweh. I was Lord of hosts who formed you. And now I'm the Redeemer who's formed you. You see how he's getting more and more personal? He's got Yahweh, this, you know, this God that created everything. He's got the Lord of hosts who's over the angels. He's was narrowing it down. And he brings it down and he says, look, I'm your Redeemer who formed you. What a, what a beautiful description of salvation. What a beautiful description of who we are in Christ. Right? Our Redeemer says, I formed you. Right? Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. I'm saying, anybody else create what I created? You ever thought about, these are things I ponder, but you ever thought about our creation as it is? So we're on, we're on a rock, third rock from the sun, right? Right? And at the equator, we're going about 1,000 miles an hour, right? The further north you get, it's slower. The further south you get, it's slower, so to speak. But let's just say we're going 1,000 miles an hour right now. You are spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. You can't even feel it, right? It's pretty cool. God worked that out too, a thing called gravity. Well, not only are, is the earth spinning, but we are rotating around the sun, right? At 66,000 miles per hour. And in one year, we will cover 600 million miles. Makes you feel tired, doesn't it? Right? And so in 10 years, you will cover 6 billion miles. And if you multiply 6 times your... You know, age, you can figure out how many billion miles you've been. So if you're 50 or 60, just do the math, and you've been 30 billion miles, right? In a circle, right? Okay. You feeling old yet? Now, not only is the earth spinning, and not only are we rotating around the earth, our, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, our, our, excuse me, our solar system inside the Milky Way galaxy, it's also spinning. At 43,000 miles an hour. Not only that, our galaxy that we're inside of is spinning at 430,000 miles per hour. You're making me dizzy, my head is spinning. 
And not only that, our galaxy is heading toward the Andromeda galaxy at 1.3 million miles per hour. So you're all space travelers. And today, in the next one minute, we're going to be in a part of space that we weren't in a minute ago. We just moved in space and time. Not, perhaps not time, but certainly space. We will never be in this space in our universe ever again because we're constantly moving. And humans have had this existence for 6,000 years on this third rock from the sun going at those speeds and God has held everything together. Right? He put all that into motion. And that's just the little things that we know about that, that I can quote to you from what I've read. There's so much more that goes on. There's the speed of light. How fast is that? How fast did we travel compared to the speed of light? And God put all that in motion. He's saying, look, uh, I made all things. Who alone stretched out the heavens? Who spread out the earth? I did it by myself. And yet we have an existence that for right now holds together. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the, the earth is groaning. The Bible says the earth groans, but there's a lot of groaning going on. Do you know we had over 90 earthquakes just in Tennessee alone last year? I had four like just a couple of weeks ago. Do you know there's a plague of locusts right now in Kenya and your neighborhood over there? 360 billion locusts and growing. That's crazy. Right? Volcanoes going off. So you can imagine all this churning and moving that we're doing through the universe, it's going to shake the earth a little bit. Weird things are going to happen. But God says, I made all of it. Right? And he's watching over all of it. Who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners? Who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense? God does. Who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers? Wow, that's powerful. So when you run into a prophet, a real prophet of God, and they give you a prophecy and say, this, I think, this is what God's going to do in your life. The Bible says that God's given him that word, and it says, he will fulfill the predictions of his messengers. That's when you run into a true prophet. God's going to fulfill that. Isn't that beautiful? Who says of Jerusalem it shall be inhabited, of the towns of Judah they shall be built, and of their ruins I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams? Who says to Cyrus, once again, there's that servant again, who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and will accomplish all that I please? He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. This is Isaiah saying what a government leader is going to say 200 years later. But think about it. Think about how powerful that is. It proves the word of God is real and powerful and active. God is saying, I'm going to tell Cyrus, he's not even born yet. I'm going to tell him at the right age, the government leader, what he's to do for Jerusalem. That's powerful. It goes back to saying what I said in the very beginning. God created Israel for a nation of himself, and he's got a plan for it. 
Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes they don't see it. But he's got a plan for it. And part of the plan was he was going to set them free from captivity from the Babylonians using this great leader, this emperor, Cyrus the Great. And he was going to tell them, he was going to tell them to say, let Jerusalem be rebuilt and let its temple and its foundations be laid. And that's exactly, that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what Cyrus did. And the interesting thing, I'll, I'll say it now, probably touch on it next week. Daniel, the prophet Daniel, was a contemporary of Cyrus the Great. And it's been speculated, we can't prove it, it's been speculated that Daniel knew this prophecy in Isaiah and took this prophecy to Cyrus and said, I need to read you what the Word of God said. And read it to him, and Cyrus is going, wow, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that. I'm going to believe in this God now. And that's why Cyrus made the, the edict of Cyrus, is what it's called, uh, made a decree that all the Jews could go back to their city and that they should send money, and he would help rebuild the city and help rebuild their temple. And, and it happened. Isn't that amazing? Chapter 45, verse 1, it says, it says, This is what the Lord says to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him, to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you. <clears throat> and we'll stop right there. We'll pick that up next week. I just love the book of Isaiah. It just lays out so many things for us. lays out so many things for Israel. And it helps us to understand Jesus and world events. And so my takeaway again this morning, as it has been, is God's at work in everybody's life all the time trying to convince them that he loves them. And he uses us, what we say and do to, at work and at school. He uses us to try to convince people of his love for us. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this passage of scripture. I thank you that you were in work in Isaiah's life and Joel's life and Daniel's life and Cyrus's life. and uh, I just thank you. <clears throat> thank you that you're at work. If you're working our lives today, come Holy Spirit, do a work in us this morning. Help us to become more like Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, have your way with us this morning. Help us to become more like our Redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.